Blog Talk Radio. Yo, this is your boy, G-Ski Rocks. And this is going out to the lovely, lovely women of the world. I know sometimes you have to make a hard decision. But I want you to think about this. This song is going out to the mighty, mighty world of women. At that clinic, and you have to make a decision. Is it life? Is it death? I know you must decide. Either way, either choice, it is a long ride. Raise a child, sing a mom, and will the father be there? You had your fun that night, but I don't think he cares. Bring a life into this world is a big responsibility. Women, can you hear me? Each life is precious, so I ask that you think about it. There are people that can help you, so don't doubt it. It's demanding and you may not have much to give So hear me out when I say Just let them live I want you to know that they're precious human life Just let them live Taking away their chance I don't think that it's right Just let them live Taking away their opportunity to go
welcome to Pro-Life Fridays Radio. This is Friday, April 26, 2013. Welcome to yet another wonderful broadcast of the show. I am your host, Letitia Wong. On with me is Thomas Smith, who's... Are you there? So my phone is on mute. I am Hey, Thomas. What's going on? All right. I wanted to welcome you on the show and say hello to Melissa out there who is just taking a little short break from the show. She's got some baby sitting needs to tend to today, so we are going to wish her a happy Friday evening. And we were we are gonna to get to the news of the day just as soon as we say our prayers. Say our prayers. Absolutely. Before we do that, our scripture for our show is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Verse 19. Are you going to rock, paper, and scissors me for that? Nope. You're going (laughs) to pray, and I'm going to say the scriptures. All right. I'm going to let you You pray today. I'll say the scriptures. Okay. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 says I hold this day against you That I set before you Life and death Blessing and cursing Therefore choose life So that you and your seed might live Thank you Thomas Let's pray for our show today We've got a couple of things to do. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful time that you've given us to spread the truth about life and death. Lord, and um, as we pray every day on this show, Lord, we lift up those that are victims of this horrible practice of abortion and victims of pro-death ideology. Lord, all across the world, not just in the United States. Lord, may we we be able to communicate to people everywhere that life is in practice and should not be wantonly killed for the convenience, desires, or usefulness of others. That we can all see the intrinsic value and sacredness of life. Thank you for our guest today, who's coming on in a little while. And we pray for our commentary, Lord, please give us wisdom and understanding for your word. And we pray all these things in your Holy Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Thomas, before we get started, tell us a little bit about the conference. We haven't talked about that a lot, so let's get to it. Well, we have coming up on January 13th through the 16th, 2013, the Pro-Life Without Executive Conference. June. June, that's what I said. I said June 2012 meant June 2013. Yeah, you said January. I said June. Yeah, let's lay it back for you. 
I probably did say January, knowing me. <laughs> but but uh, anyway, June twenty thirteen, June thirteenth through sixteenth, twenty thirteen, we have coming up the Pro Life Without Exceptions Conference. This conference is going to bring together one of the most diverse groups of pro life speakers ever assembled in one place at one time for a conference. Uh, we're going to be focusing on three points. One, lifting up the name of Jesus Christ first and foremost. Two, giving voice to those um, individuals who were conceived under the exceptions clause. And three, working to bring unity to the pro-life movement. So for more information, you can contact Email me at prolifewithoutexceptions at gmail.com for more information. And also you can stay tuned to the show because we'll be also giving more information as well. So Absolutely. There you go. Awesome. Well, that's awesome. We want to encourage everybody to go to the conference and meet our speakers. That's probably the most exciting part that that I can think of. Are the the wonderful people that this country has overlooked as being valuable in life. They're actually going to be there and be this wonderful community telling us that pretty much everything that was said about them was wrong. All the expectations yes. people had for them were wrong. That they would they would either turn out to be awful people, names that I can't repeat on the air, worthless, hated, and disposable. And I can tell yes. you how much my life has been touched by every single one of those people. I can't imagine not knowing them today. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, I mean, if you even have a thought about maybe I want to go and meet some of these people and listen to them and just enjoy the presence of God in their lives, register today, go. You will not... You won't regret it. You will not regret it. And right. you get to you get to meet Thomas and myself. Aww. Not that I would say that I can hold a candle to all our other guests, but <clears throat> just saying I'm going to be there. Right. Well, um, Patricia, you have you have an interesting commentary for us, and I'm gonna let you do that. Put myself on mute because of all the noise. And then you will bring on our guest today. So, sure. Um, well, I'll, I'll be listening in the background. Okay. Well, folks, we All have right. um, a one-hour show today because I have got a pro-life, a pro-life event that I have to get to tonight. So we are cutting the show a little bit short. So please hang in there for the one hour that we're going to be on the air. If you have anything that you would like to talk to me about or our guest, and that's going to come on in a few minutes, the number to call in is 760-542-3907 to join the show live. And getting to our news of the day, I hate to eclipse the Kermit Gosnell story because 
I have still so much to say about that because everybody, for some reason, the media had a little bit of a mention of Kermit Gosnell and saying, oh, I'm sorry we didn't talk about him, but then they turned around and said, sorry, we're still not going to talk about him because they just fell silent once more. Except for Fox News, God bless them, they're going to have a one-hour special, a news report about him next Saturday, that's May 4th, Uh, and hopefully all of the horrors that happened in his 17 years, in the past 17 years of his abortion clinic can be summed up in one hour. I think it took me longer than that just to read the grand jury report on Kermit Gosnell's House of Horrors, and I'm not exaggerating, but the only person that could possibly eclipse Kermit Gosnell on how horrible he is in the pro-life movement is our President Barack Obama himself, who today spoke at Planned Parenthood, or to to a group of Planned Parenthood leaders, an audience uh, today. He had a uh, approximately 20-minute speech to give to them. Um, remind, let me remind you that he was supposed to be at their celebration dinner last night. Either last night, yes, last night. And out of better taste, he at the last minute decided not to go. Well, thank you for not stepping on the graves of those children last night. But he did come out today and step all over them today. There's a lot that he said that has has been said already by our president. He supports Planned Parenthood. He supports what they've done. He says they're going to be here to stay. Um, he likes their support of the woman's right to choose. Uh, what else did he say? He he went on and talked about some of the good things that he thought that Planned Parenthood did for women. And... And that's pretty much the way the speech went. It was a great big kiss fest from President Obama to Planned Parenthood, not that he hasn't done it before. But here it is. He had said, one of the quotes from his speech, the only person that should make decisions about your health care is you. Well, I agree. But I also think that people should make their own decisions about what to eat. But that doesn't give me doesn't mean that I get to open a hemlock restaurant and persuade people that what I'm serving is a choice of food and drink. So here it is. President Obama can continue to live in the fantasy world that is killing one's unborn child as a matter of health when 98% of abortions are committed on the basis of convenience, not health. 
I think I got into a Twitter argument with a Planned Parenthood supporter a few months back about the Texas defunding of Planned Parenthood. She argued that funding shouldn't be pulled because the clinics that were going to be affected did not perform abortions. And I'm thinking, really? Really, that is the sad state of logic these days. The entire, the fact is the entire entity of Planned Parenthood is founded on race culling, population control, and death. To say that those clinics that sort of need funding for women's health care is a crock. It is a complete crock because Planned Parenthood overall is getting $330 million in federal taxpayer money per year. And there is nothing that Planned Parenthood does for women that a state-run clinic cannot do, aside from abortion. So you know what those clinics could do if they wanted to keep their funding from the state of Texas? Disassociate from Planned Parenthood. Uh, but I just I digress. I think the most unbelievable statement from President Obama uh, was the statement that he thinks that advocates for life and politicians who are advocates for life presenting state legislat- state legislatures with pro-life legislation, putting limits on abortion and and uh, consent and informed consent laws and all those things, and putting regulations on abortion clinics, which Planned Parenthood has never supported one single uh, regulation before in its entire existence, and they still do not now. He thinks that we want to turn the clock back on American women. Let me make this clear. No, let me say it this way. Let me be clear. I'm sorry. That's that's the, that's the best I could do. I, let me be clear. I can't do a a President Obama voice, but I can say what he says. Let me be clear. Legal abortion has pushed women's rights and human rights back to the Bronze Age, if anything, and to the age when societies practiced human sacrifice for the sake of better crops more rain, and planned and wanted livestock. The only difference today is that legal human sacrifice is done for things like a life without the inconvenience of children, getting in the way of particular aspirations and dreams, irresponsible sex, and a whole lot of penis envy. And I think that's it in a nutshell. If President Obama wants to be a public supporter of women's health, then there are an array of women's, of health clinics that cater to women that he could go to bat for, like the over 4,000 pregnancy centers in America that support women educationally and financially, as well as finding them good medical care, prenatal care, aftercare, health care. Why Planned Parenthood? Notice in his speech that he ran to abortion as the raison d'etre. I don't know how to speak French, so I don't. Forgive me if I said that wrong. <laughs> of Planned Parenthood, without them, he said, women would not have access to abortion. Hmm, really? 
wouldn't it be something if he had said, without Kermit Gosnell, women would not have access to abortion? Because, you know, he did abortions too. Just saying. So, in all, there was nothing really remarkable about Obama's wedding vow renewal to Planned Parenthood today. He thought it was a good thing that a woman had two children that he talked about and that he could deny that they were children when they had not been wanted. Nice. And he wished that God would bless Planned Parenthood, even though they were in the position to blow the whistle on Kermit Gosnell, but exercise their right to choose not to. Nice again. So I want, if anything else, people to understand that I don't buy this canard that abortion is about women's health care and Planned Parenthood is about women's health because he went to abortion pretty quickly in his speech as the reason for being of Planned Parenthood. It's not I, I just I just I don't buy it. I just don't buy this canard that Planned Parenthood has anything to do with benefit of women's health. At best, Planned Parenthood puts on a cover and does a few things health wise for women playing doctors with women when you know, women can get their own doctors for probably less at a state run clinic. People, women have to pay for their own services. Yes, it's they get a sub- government subsidy, and then they lie about things like doing mammograms. I don't know. I don't know how you can trust a an organization, an industry, a business that fronts abortion, because that's where the real money is being made aside from taking it from the federal government and then using that money to subsidize abortions for women they they target, especially in low-income minority neighborhoods. So I don't believe the front because that's what it is. The pathetic few instances where they have quote-unquote helped women health-wise is not really help when the larger mission of Planned Parenthood is population control eugenics and the elimination of the, the America, of the African American race in America. That's their stated goal from their founder herself, Margaret Sanger. So I'm I wanna hear how this is going to um, how this is going to affect the next four years of the presidency. If if President Obama continues this love fest with Planned Parenthood, and Planned Parenthood continues to be exposed and shrunken, would it be n- another failed entity that our president has supported because we all know how well uh, bailouts work. Uh, they haven't. Industries, uh, the businesses that receive bailout money 
would still like to receive some more bailout money. Those that have paid it back are few and far between those who haven't paid the money back. I mean, so that's what we, that's what I think. That's what I think about this whole canard. I mean, it's just about a speech. If he wanted to come out and play kissy face with Planned Parenthood all day long, I don't care. But the money that is going to Planned Parenthood that he has personally committed from the federal government to a grand-scale abortuary is just unacceptable, morally unacceptable. So I'm going to find our guest right now so he can talk about it. We're going to take a break. We will be right back. If you have to, if you have any questions or want to call and talk to me or about our guest, the number to call in is 760-542-3907. You are listening to Pro-Life Fridays Radio. Let me find the music. Let's see. What should we play? There we go.
I find that our guest, well, I want to remind people, you are listening to Pro-Life Fridays Radio, and we're going to see if I can find our guest one more time, so hang in there. Society can prevent those who are manifestly unfit from continuing their kind. Three generations of imbeciles are enough. I do not join in the belief that the African is our equal in brain or in heart. We are paying for and even submitting to the dictates of an ever-increasing, unceasingly spawning class of human beings who never should have been born at all. The laws of nature require the obliteration of the unfit. The best way to hate a nigger is to hate him before he is born. American eugenicists were routinely praising Hitler and holding up the Nazi eugenics program as a model for the United States to copy. Non-white races must be excluded from America. The red and black races, if left to themselves, revert to a savage or semi-savage state in a short time. The only way possible of decreasing Negro population is by means of controlling fertility. Birth control facilities could be extended relatively more to Negroes than to whites, since Negroes are more concentrated in the lower income and education classes. We hope that the restraint of population growth can come about through voluntary means. But if it does not, involuntary methods will be used. There should be national sterilization for certain dysgenic types of our population who are being encouraged to breed and would die out for the government not feeding them. If this movement continues, we soon may be accused of fighting poverty by eliminating the poor and overcoming hunger by removing the hungry. For all their failures, what the eugenics movement had accomplished was to lay the foundation for the next phase of their plan. And this is where they would find the success that they had been chasing for over 100 years. Fridays Radio. And hey, uh, Thomas, if you are on the line, please call back. Um, sorry for there might be some still technical problems with Blog Talk Radio that we had last week. Hopefully those will be fixed and we will have no more problems with that. And I want to thank everybody for joining us. If you have a, uh, questions to call to ask me or our guest who is on the line with us, the number to call is 760-542-3907 to join the show. And with me on the line is Tim Locklear from Abolish Human Abortion uh, in Nebraska. So if you recall, we've had a couple of people that are associated with Abolish Human Abortion, and I have just just tons of questions uh, to ask ask Tim, our guest. And if you uh, want to get a sense of what they um, what Abolish Human Abortion is about, check out their website. Uh, either the one abolish human abortion dot is it dot org or dot com? It's dot com. Okay, dot com or the one uh, from Nebraska, which is Nebraska H A H A dot com. Uh, dot org. Dot <laughs> <laughs> org. All right, I'll get it right one of these days. Well, welcome to the show, Tim. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. 
Yeah, so um, let's just let me start off by asking you. Um, so do you you uh, know that we had we actually almost had you on our show back I think in October, but yep. your good friend Russell Hunter uh, kind of got in here with, uh, in, in your place and we had a fabulous discussion uh, about kind of the philosophy of of abolish human abortion and how you guys proceed uh, to try to address the issue of legal abortion in the United States. So I want you to continue and tell our audience a little bit more about kind of your methods, your philosophy, and what what you're trying to accomplish by talking about the pro-life issue of abortion in terms of abolition. Well, um, basically, to summarize it, uh, abolitionism kind of takes a a mark from historical, uh, the abolitionism, the abolitionists of slavery. And uh, the abolitionists of slavery just took the stance that uh, slavery is an evil, it is an evil, and it needs to be abolished, it needs to be ended. And we as the church are required or commanded or uh, called to step up and not only face that evil, uh, but effectively end it and uh, call it what it is, which is sin. And so we take that, take the notes from guys like William Wilberforce and, and Garrison and alike, and we kind of transfer them into today's evil and today's culture. So one of the slogans is, you know, every age has its evil and every age has its abolitionist. And so this this age's evil is abortion. Uh, obviously, anybody that, that following the news at all has, has heard of the Kermit Gosnell issue. That's just one uh, one murderer that's, that's gotten a little bit of a publicity. Uh, but there's obviously murders happening, you know, murderers in every state. Uh, operating in every abortion clinic. And so the answer that we feel like the, the answer to this evil of this culture is obviously abolition, um, and it is centered and rooted in the gospel. Um, we believe that it wouldn't do us any good to just simply, um, I mean, it would be good to save babies, but our goal is not to just simply save babies because it's not what we're necessarily commanded to do in the, in the, in the Great Commission. What we're commanded to do is propagate the gospel and reach those that are lost. And so that is our first priority. And in doing that, the byproduct of preaching that gospel is that we would see uh, not only babies saved, but souls of the mothers and others saved as well. Now, that, that is a very brief summary, of course. but Okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, let me ask you this. So if, if the gospel is, um, do you say that it's your primary goal or it's the primary goal of abolish human abortion as an organization well uh, abolish human abortion as an organization has laid out in their five tenets uh, that that it is indeed a gospel centered uh, uh, calling ergon is the fi- is the the acrostic that we use e r g o n um, and it's we're evangelical we're reliant on provi- providence we believe it's an obligation of the church e r g the G is gospel-centered, E-R-G-O, and then N is now for immediatism. So, yes, mm-hmm. as an organization, uh, AHA is gospel-centered. So it is the primary goal of, of AHA. To pro- because we're Christians, we're mm-hmm. called to propagate the gospel. Sure. 
sure. Um, so does a person have to be a believer in Jesus in order to believe in the abolition of abortion? Well, when you say believe in the abolition of human abortion, no. You you can agree that abortion needs to be abolished. Uh, you can totally agree that it's evil. Um, but the five tenets of abolitionism laid out in such a way that it does require someone in order to be an abolitionist that, you know, it's evangelical, relying on providence, gospel-centered, obligation of the church, and, and immediatism. So, for instance, a perfect example, if an atheist said, I want to be an abolitionist, um, it, it wouldn't, it would be actually, it would be contradictory. Uh, now, I mean, an atheist is more than welcome to use that term. We haven't trademarked the term in any way. Mm-hmm. But in order for them to say, I'm an atheist and I'm an abolitionist, they're saying, I'm an atheist, meaning I deny the existence of God, and yet I adhere to these five tenets that are all mentioning, virtually mentioning God. You know, obligation of the church, relying on providence of God, gospel-centered, obligation of the church. So, um, so that, I mean, it, it wouldn't make sense for an atheist to say that. Um, do, do you see what I'm saying? Right, right. Um, so you're defining abolition um, in terms of your five points. Is that correct? Well, a- abolitionism, I, I guess, I mean, as defined, I, I haven't looked it up, in the. I guess I should. I guess I don't have it in front of me, the definition in the Webster's Dictionary of abolitionism, but uh, basically seeking to abolish an evil in a culture. So someone can seek to do that, uh, but when they're saying, when they, when, they, when they make the statement, I am an abolitionist, and they use the AHA logo or imagery and posters, they're identifying themselves with a group of people mm-hmm. that adhere to the gospel and the Bible. And so if those individuals wouldn't agree with that, uh, there would be no benefit for them to adhere to that ideology. Uh, right, right. That that kind of goes without saying. Um, so tell me a little bit about, as an abolitionist, what kind of things do you do? What does AHA uh, do? Right. Well, I mean... Um, myself personally, um, I, I should also make it clear that each individual abolitionist society, uh, acts autonomously. So, uh, there's no like membership or, um, you know, there's no special card I get. Uh, you know, if an, if an individual who is a Christian feels as though abortion is evil and wants to end it and sees what AJ is doing and, calls an abolitionist and says, hey, what do I do to get started? Uh, nine times out of ten, that abolitionist is just going to say, hey, go to the website, look over our ideology if you like it, cool. Um, go find other people that agree and make a group and meet and get active. And so then the answer to that question specifically is what, is, what does it mean to be active? Um, engaging the culture uh, through various different ways, uh, you know, handing out information, propaganda, holding a sign, walking down the street, um, seeding the culture with the ideology through drop cards or quad folds or or just a conversation, um, simply walking up to a complete stranger at a gas station, a conversation you were already going to have, and just simply saying, hey, what, uh, you know, what do you think about rape? And then 
the common response is, oh, that's horrible. Rape is horrible. And then you say, well, how do you feel about abortion? And then you can continue the conversation and, well, do you believe in absolute truth? And uh, what is what is real love? And, and you can just really, you can bring a full circle and make it not only a presentation about the evils of abortion, but ultimately and inevitably about the, the truth of the gospel and the need for repentance. So that's one that's one aspect, but we also operate agitation and assistance. So assistance would mean uh, the church, we the, we the church, stepping up as abolitionists, saying, um, you know, answering the question of a lot of pro-choicers and say, well, what are you going to do with all these babies? Um, you know, what are you going to do when abortion is abolished? And the answer is the church is going to step up, and the church is stepping up through abolitionism and um, taking up the call to take care of those women and the infants and the orphans and uh, take care of the women that have had abortions and be there to give information to the women that are considering abortion. And then obviously agitate. It's like a bucket of, of, of water. and At the bottom of that water is a bunch of silt. And that silt settles down and it, the water looks clean until you go and shake it up. You see that the water is actually very dirty, but it's just been allowed to settle. So we agitate that, shine the light on the evil that exists, and then uh, through the gospel, help to purify that water. I mean, obviously, proverbially, but purify it and make it clean. Right, right. Um, I see that that over the months of of I guess I've been I've been lurking around your Facebook pages. <laughs> I've been there, um, and I've seen a lot of controversy. I think um, in on two on two different fronts, and they're they may be kind of subtle. But I, I think our audience can understand because we come from it from a, a Christian standpoint. We come to abortion from a Christian standpoint. One is um, obviously the the struggle to help our secularized culture understand uh, the need for abolition, and then the other is trying to get the apathy of our churches. To, to get rid of the apathy of our churches and with regard right. to abortion. Um, so sure. tell me how – so I see that both of these um, places that you're trying to address, and so um, tell us a little bit about how you are dealing with those two aspects. Okay, just so I better understand, the two aspects you're saying is waking up the church, and then the second aspect was what again? Um, how How to convince – our secular culture that abortion is a great moral evil that ought to be abolished. Okay. Well, um, and I just want to be clear that, you know, each individual abolitionist society um, is, is acting individually, although, um, you know, they do seek counsel and, and things of that nature. Hey, what do you think about this and that and the other? For, for an example, one abolitionist would answer that by saying, well, I'm going to go to a church and I'm going to hold a sign for the next six months until they repent and stop giving money to Planned Parenthood. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and I wouldn't rebuke that Christian for doing that thing, that, that abolitionist. Uh, another abolitionist might say, uh, I'm going to stand at the exit of the church every week and I'm going to hand out information. Or I'm going to, I'm going to send out a letter to 300 pastors in our city. Or I'm going to sit down and, and, and have a luncheon, and I'm going to cater it, and I'm going, to, I'm going to invite every pastor in the city to this luncheon, and I'm going to speak just briefly about the love of God and the necessary 
or the need for abolitionism. So he, those are all tactics to achieve the same goal, which is wake mm-hmm. the sleeping church. Right. Um, so myself, I, I'm, I'm actually, I mean, I've been involved in a church agitation. A uh, pastor we contacted in Omaha um, asked him, you know, hey, we would love to gain your support, not support us financially, but just stand next to us as Christian brothers that believe that abortion is evil. And he said, well, we don't believe abortion is evil. We believe it's it's a good thing and we need it. And, and um he was uh, he's a homosexual married to his husband um and so they're they're pastoring a church as a homosexual couple and um we planned it out and and several members from other abolitionist societies came into town and we came to church and we informed their 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 parishioners uh that their pastor not only supported abortion but um completely neglected biblical doctrine mm-hmm. um and it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a bad outcome Surprisingly enough, there was quite a few people that were very receptive, and we had some really great conversations. And it, what it did was it informed that pastor that there are Christians in his culture that call that evil and won't won't allow him to pull the proverbial wool over his saint's eyes. And so we're going to be there to lovingly, kindly um, call them to, to repent. So then I want to address the other one real quick because I know we're running short on time, but um, – the, how do we how do we how do we convince a secular culture that abortion requires abolition? Um, I think the real question there must must be how do we convince a secular culture that there is absolute morality? The only way we can do that is through um, obviously divine providence. God has to work it out in their hearts. God brings the increase, but uh, conversations. You know, talk, if if I go up and talk to somebody and I immediately tell they have absolutely no uh, no inclination to believe in God, no moral compass, they they reject the Bible. I'm not going to personally. This is just me. I'm not going to sit and preach to them the abolitionist ideology. I'm going to go straight to the gospel. I'm going to ask them some logical questions and highlight their circular logic, and I'm just going to simply appeal to uh, their human reasoning and show them how God does exist and how uh, God does love them and Christ loved them so much and that kind of kind of similar to what you've seen, you know, in, in the 180 movie where, you know, Ray Comfort just lays it down. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's my personal approach. Many other people have many other tactics. And the end result is preaching the gospel to lost souls, especially a secular culture. Mm-hmm. Have you, what kind of response have you gotten over I don't know how long have you been doing this. <laughs> uh, personally, I don't know. My wife would know. <laughs> I'm sure she's listening. <laughs> um, it's I I don't know. I've probably been doing it maybe maybe a year or so. I, okay. I don't misquote me on that. I'm not sure, but it's been a while. <laughs> um, I you know what I've I've received a lot of great responses and a lot of negative ones. There are abolitionists mm-hmm. that get um, you know water bottles full of vinegar sprayed at them and hoses soaking them down and pastors coming out and cursing them out and so-called Christians coming out of churches and tearing up signs. Uh, you know, we've had uh, people threaten our lives. We've had people try to run us over with cars. But all that sounds really drastic and dramatic and maybe, oh, that's unnecessary. For every ten people that go crazy, there's one person at least. In fact, I can remember an instance with me and an abolitionist in Norman, Oklahoma, and we were walking down the street, and we were walking up to people and asking them what they think about rape. And me and this guy got to talking. And if I'm not mistaken, he's he's now repented of his sins, um, 
made a profession of faith, started attending the, their local church down there in Norman, Oklahoma, and is now a professing Christian. Um, wow. And that whole conversation awesome. started, yeah, and it just started by saying, well, what do you think about rape? So. Well, that's great. That's great. Um, yeah, I think I, the every, I think everybody who is in the in the uh, in the mode of thinking that we need to abolish abortion in some way, shape, or form um, uh, struggles with the how do I wake up the church, and also how do I wake up culture or change culture to impact right. abortion in any way. And um, you know, I think different me- people have their methods. And right. so I think there, there's been a couple of negative comments kind of directed toward members of Abolish Human Abortion that saying that your methods are not necessarily, you know, something that they can support. Uh, I okay. think specifically, I think specifically what they were talking about is, is when, um, who to include in your list of friends, <laughs> how to proceed. I think, I think there has been like the most contention about that, um, and and as I understand it, that that some sometimes people get offended when uh, the issue of different church traditions comes up, and the reason for being in abolition kind of differs, and almost seems like you're stepping on toes of other people's religious tradition and why hmm. you like abolition. Like- like what? What's I hate to interject. I just better understand what specific. I'm assuming yeah. I can think of two maybe instances you're thinking of. What specifically? Without, I'm sure you don't want to call anybody out, but um, what is something a little bit more specific so that I can answer? Because I think I know, but sure. I want to make sure. Sure. Well, there's a lot of, and I'm asking this question in a greater backdrop because I think that the pro-life movement is suffering from too much. Uh, distractions. I think uh, that's just my opinion. Uh, okay. And a lack of and a lack of ability to work together. Uh, and there's been a lot of division based on on religious differences. There have been uh, within Christianity we have different different traditions. And obviously we come from an evangelical uh, background. But the pro life movement overall has a very strong Catholic presence. In okay. It. And I I do see that a lot of Catholics take offense at the strongly evangelical lean that abolish human abortion has. And, I I mean, I don't criticize that at all, but I think it's taken to the point where we just can't work together becomes the conclusion that people draw. Well, let me me say this. Um, And, again, these views do not necessarily represent those of the International Coalition of Abolitionist Societies. Uh, right. But it does represent the Nebraska Abolitionist Society and Tim Locklear and family. Um, okay. <laughs> I, That's good enough. Uh, right. And I, I personally, again, it, it, we've already established that the end result ultimately is the propagation of the gospel the, and, and the utilization of the discussion of the evil of abortion to propagate or to get to the gospel, whether it's the gospel or abortion or abortion of the gospel the end result is that a sinner would be saved and that lives would come to Christ. If that is the goal and, and the command of every Christian, then we must first establish how do we come to Christ. And then we and then we can establish how do we get to the Father. Well, we know how do we get to the Father through Christ. And so if our doctrine, our theology, 
goes a little askew left or right, that might be all right, so long as we have the same view of Christ and the same soteriological view, i.e., you know, salvation, how am I saved? By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, those kind of things. Um, for an example, if, if a Mormon came to me and said, I want to be an abolitionist, I, would, I wouldn't tell him no. I would just tell him, go to this website and read this data. He would read the data, and in the first four words, he would say, well, I can't be an abolitionist. Or he would say, I'm going to start my own abolitionist movement through four Mormons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't mock it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't condemn him. I would pray for his soul. If, if, I mean, if he if truly is a Mormon, then he, he doesn't believe in the – I mean, his doctrine is heretical. And so, therefore, I'm not going to condemn him. I'm going to – I mean, if he's going to be condemned, it's going to be through the Lord and the Word, not myself. I'm going to love him, but I'm not going to tell him he can't be an abolitionist. I'm going to say, you need to read this, and if you feel like you read this and you agree with that, either A, you're not a Mormon, or B, you're probably not an abolitionist, which is okay. It's not the end of the world. And I personally have very many Catholic friends, and they know where I stand, and I know where they stand, and they know that if we're at the clinic or we're on the street or we're at the sidewalk, that if they want to join with me and the Nebraska Abolitionist Society, they must agree that we're going to preach the gospel, and this is the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, the salvation by faith alone, through grace alone, and Christ alone, um, that we don't need to obey this, this, and this. And this and that. I mean, basically saying this is the gospel we're preaching, and if you agree with that, join me. You want to call yourself a Catholic or a Mormon, that's fine, but this is the gospel that I'm going to be preaching. And if we get to the clinic and there's dissension, or if we get to the sidewalk and there's a delineation from the gospel from their mouths, to the ears of the people that I'm trying to talk to, well, then that's that's going to cause that's going to cause issue and problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's for me, that's what I would say. So why can't a Catholic be be an abolitionist? Well, a Catholic can be an abolitionist um, if they if they choose to be. But see, that's the thing is it's their responsibility. If a Catholic sees the five tenets, the two modes, the seven stages, and they agree with it, and they have no problem with the fact that we are adamantly Protestant evangelical Christians, then that's okay for them. Uh, my conscience won't be seared or, or hurt by them saying they're abolitionists. I mean, I have a little bit of an issue if somebody, I would have an issue if someone was out there saying outlandish things and calling themselves an abolitionist. But I, I think that's inevitable. I mean, somebody is going to do that or has already done it. Um, mm-hmm. That's why, that I think that's the beauty of what what is going on here is that it's not one person dictating an ideology. It's kind of taken its own, taken its own route. It, it, people read it and then take, take it for what it's worth and then act on it or don't act on it. Mm-hmm. So whether they're Catholics or Methodists or Presbyterians or Mormons or, or even if they are Protestant evangelical Christians who agree that abortion is murder and, and, and agree that the main purpose is the gospel – but yet they disagree with our tactics. This has happened. An organization or a group of people have disagreed with some of the tactics that we used and so therefore have chosen to distance themselves. But for the record, I still would consider many of them to be my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And likewise, they would, they would reciprocate, at least to the people that I've spoken with. And so um, that's a perfect example of we don't hate them. We're not, I'm not mad at them. Uh, I don't think they're mad at us. We just don't do the same thing, and that's okay. 
um, I, I don't think it's the end of the world if somebody doesn't become an abolitionist, at least in my my opinion. Right, right. Um, the, the, do you think that it, the lack, I mean, I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but this, the result is there can be a lack of cooperation. We have literally hundreds and hundreds of pro-life, anti-abortion groups that are all, we're all trying to campaign to eliminate abortion in this country. Um, is there, does the lack of cooperation, the effective, a lack of effective cooperation hamper that, do you think it does? Well, um, in, within the five tenets of abolitionism, I'm, I, ultimately, I know this sounds like a cop out, but I'll give a parenthetical before I just end my statement. Uh, we're relying on providence. So mm-hmm. if God brings the increase and souls get saved and abortion gets abolished and, and abortionists are charged with, with millions of counts of murder, that's, that's a work not of my hands. And if God chose to use my hands, then it's still not my, me doing the work. It's, it's, it's his work, not mine. And so if, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And I'm going to do everything I can to help that happen. Um, the infighting betwixt, you know, cultural differences, uh, doctrinal differences, uh, Christian, um, what did you say earlier? You said uh, practices. No, there's a word you used. Um, right, traditions or different traditions. Traditions, or... yeah, traditions, yeah. Um, those, for the record, those were there before abolitionists ever showed up on the map. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I personally, personally believe, I believe still to this day that if someone is a Catholic and actually adheres to the Catholic doctrine, that I, I wouldn't, I, I would, I would question their theology greatly. And I would not, I, I would, I mean, I would struggle with it, and I would want to discuss it, and I would want to encourage them to consider the solas, um, you know, the five solas. Um, right. Uh, however, that doesn't, in, for me, it's like abolitionism just showed up on the map, at least in the context of the pro-life movement. Uh, that doesn't change the fact that Protestant evangelical Christians don't agree with the the orthopraxy of the Catholic Church. They've disagreed with it since the like the original protest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't think that saying I disagree with your doctrine is going to affect uh, the abolition of abortion. I, I don't I don't necessarily would think that. I mean what okay. benefit would it be for me if my main goal is to propagate the gospel, what benefit would it be for me if I was to take steps that would neglect that gospel in order to get the gospel propagated. Like, I'll compromise on, like, faith, you know, salvation by faith alone if it means that I can go hang out with these other people that agree with me on points A, B, and C. Like, I can't, I can't compromise on that because it's a theological issue, and I'm still called to stand up for the truth. And so I hope I'm making sense and not rambling. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's... If that's your that's the answer that you give, and then you know we're we're trying to see what getting into the mind of 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 Tim Locklear, you know, and kind of explaining uh, what what you do and why you do it as part of part of the overall pro life movement. I mean, I, I I'm not here to to criticize anybody. I mean, not certainly not your your position. Um, although you know, I'm kind of confused as how can we be a more effective uh, bunch of abolitionists um, 
in in the grand scheme of things, I think I think that there is a lot of infighting that goes on among different people of different Christian traditions or different philosophies of how they are to life. Um, and, and some of those bridges, I think, uh, kind of kind of need to be maybe a little shorter, if not eliminated, just for the sake right. of what we're doing. I think if we want to have the conversation of, you know, what is your theology and why I think it is incorrect biblically, I think that is a discussion that can be had, you know, regardless of the abortion argument, regardless of our I mean, work in, you know, in, in abolition. Yeah. And you look at, like, you look at the tactics of abolitionists and Catholics. Uh, and I say Catholics, it's a very blanketed, I don't mean it to sound, uh, uh, you know, pejorative or mean in any right, way. Right. I, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're setting up statues of Mary and, and lighting candles. Um, like, if they feel like that is a tactic, I mean, you know, obviously we've heard that, the, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the video of the, the you know, the, the sister saying, you know, um, Mary will end abortion. And Mary is causing these people to to quit their job at the clinic. And, like, I, I could balk at it and, and make fun of it. I'm not, I'm not doing that at all because they believe that that's truth. And for them, that's truth. And so, like, I, I'm not going to balk at it, but I'm definitely not going to deal with it any different than I would if a Mormon tells me to feel the burning in my bosom from Joseph Smith. Now, I'm not going to be mean to them because that's not the love of God. I'm going to love them. But I'm definitely not going to say I stand with these people. I, I can't. I can't do that. I can't stand with a Mormon when he's out on his mission with his the bicycle and the tie and the everything. I, I, I won't. And if I do, okay. the per, the main purpose for me to go would be to persuade the persons that they're going to talk to that they're actually lying. I know that sounds harsh, but that's my first mm-hmm. calling. I mean, my. Ab- abolitionism is is an outworking of the gospel in my heart first. So uh, the infighting that occurs in the pro-life movement, I, I think it's going to keep happening. Um, and that's part of the reason why I generally try not to call myself a pro-lifer, mm-hmm. because it has all of those connotations. You can now be pro-life and think abortion's okay sometimes, uh, you know, i.e. The, the rape exception or... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, abortion is real bad and stuff, but God has nothing to do with it. Well, those are pro-lifers saying those kind of things. And so, like, I have a struggle identifying myself with a group of people, not not yourself necessarily, because I, I know you're, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm, I'm based upon what I've seen on Facebook and discussions with you, I, I assume that this wouldn't include you, but people that have said, well, I can be an atheist and be a pro-lifer. Mm-hmm. And that, that kind of, those are, that's like taking steps that actually negates the, the the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is not to save a million babies. The ultimate goal is that Christ would be preached among all nations. That's the goal. And so okay. that's why people say, well, I'm an atheist and I'm pro-life. Well, great. That doesn't affect the, the, the main goal of abolitionism, which is to be a Christian first and foremost. All right. Well... Um, I want to thank you. I know that uh, usually we have a longer time with with a lot some of our guests who allow us to ha- uh, have them on a lot, lot longer so that we can have a fuller discussion. But our our show has to be cut short this day. <laughs> so okay. um, I want to thank you, Tim. 
for coming Absolutely. on Pro Life Fridays Radio. I really, I thought that was a really great ex- explanation of your position. I think that helps because there is a lot of confusion because um, you, you'd be, you know, I guess it's not surprising, but how just a discussion on Facebook alone, let alone Twitter, um, can quickly get out of hand. Where Absolutely. suddenly people are saying that that so and so and so and so said something they never did. Um, right. Amazing, Precisely. You know, when we have when we're doing this on on a written communication forum where we can easily see what somebody said or wrote or didn't say, but yet right. it is as if it's done, you know, through oral. Uh, an, an oral way of for, a communication where you can say somebody said something and uh, completely misunderstand, and you, you can't go backwards in time and say, "Well, they didn't say that." Uh, right. Um, so, I, so I, I, you know, I appreciate you coming on, and um, we should we should um, definitely have you on again at a different time um, and talk about this some more. Absolutely, I'm I'm honored that you asked me to come on and. Um, if anybody has any questions, uh, feel free to share my my personal profile, or you can go to you know the Nebraska Abolitionist Society on Facebook. I'm always open to taking a phone call from even a stranger and and fielding questions and explaining. Um, I'm imperfect. I, I I I may have stated it incorrectly or said something that was offensive, and that definitely wasn't my goal. And so I would love to uh, talk with anyone that has any questions whatsoever. Awesome. Well, um, if anyone wants to know more information, uh, the website, uh, either the abolitionist, uh, either Abolish Human Abortion or the uh, Nebraska chapter of Abolish Human Abortion is up on our chat room. And uh, I want to thank you again, and I will talk to you again. All right. Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks, audience. You have been wonderful. Uh, We are going to cut the show show short today and because I have to go <laughs> uh, please check out um, our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash Pro Life Fridays and check out our show link for next week's show uh, should be up sometime on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday one of those days but uh, please check our Facebook page for the show link thank you for joining us today on Pro Life Fridays Radio I am your host, Letitia Wong, and Thomas had to, I think he had to catch a bus, and God bless him. He has is still uh, being blessed by God. Pray for him. Pray for all of us. We love to bring you this show, and I will see you all next week. Come back again. Good night. Hands up open wide, put your hands up side by side. Age don't matter, like race don't matter, like place don't matter, like what's inside. Let the kick drum kick one time. Breathe out, let your mind unwind. Eyes on the ceiling, looking for the feeling. Wide open, let your own eyes shine. Yeah, it's where the fight begins.
Fridays. 